Barusas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barusas! Wow! It is a pivotal next 12 hours for Australian football. I don't know about you guys at home, folks, ladies and gentlemen, but Jason Goldsmith and myself, Lockie Flanagan, here on the Oz Football Hour, we are nervous. We nervous. are very, very nervous ahead of the Socceroos' crucial game coming up against the UAE overnight. We must win, not to qualify for the World Cup, but to get us to the game that will qualify us for the World Cup. But as nervous as we are, I have had uh, have had those those lingering doubts settled a little bit because I know that when the Socceroos go out there tonight, I guess tonight, tomorrow morning, 4am in, uh, in Qatar, they are going to channel the Aussie DNA. They're going to channel the Aussie DNA. And even if I am scared at home, I know they'll have their backs to the wall. They will be rallying up, getting on the pitch, chasing, fighting and harassing, doing everything that's required to win this game for the boys at home. Or at least that's what Graham Arnold says they're going to do. It's not very inspiring for, for those that follow Australian football. And what about for CSI Doha? They will, our DNA will be everywhere. Any crimes committed tomorrow? Yeah, harass we're as in well. Trouble. That's we're in trouble. Mm, I know. Um, yeah, harass, chase, tackle. You know, um, we're bigger than them. We beat up these kids in Asia and stuff. It's 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 old news. It's, it doesn't work, and it's not super inspiring. But we are in with the shouts. We're playing in Qatar. Uh, the bookies have installed us as favourites. And um, we had a warm-up game, of fairly uninspiring, but a win nonetheless last week. And we're good to go. We win tomorrow. We play Peru. Peru beat New Zealand 1-0 in a warm-up as well. So let's see. See how we go tomorrow. Is it, is it fair to say that this is perhaps the weirdest pre-qualifier atmosphere ever in yeah, in I'll recent history at least? Agree. It's like we're cold snap in Australia at the moment. We're all kitted out like we, we need to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, this we, studio is usually a furnace. I know, and I I've know. been wearing coats on every show for the past so, few weeks. So that's the situation. If it wasn't being held in Qatar, this World Cup, it would be on right now. We'd be watching the World Cup mm. right now. Um, but Which the temperatures suggest. Scary thought. Yeah. Temperatures suggest that um, we can't be there. It's 38 degrees there at 10 a.m. right now in, in Doha. So we have to wait and push it out till November and December. So, yeah, it is very, very different. And you know what? A 4 a.m. playoff is not in the midweek, too, is not so inspiring. I don't think I'll be going to any I mean, li- they can, they can, live sites to watch this. Yeah, no. It's I mean, they can, the conditions are, are different. The nature of the Qatari World Cup is different. But I also feel like the general mood amongst the fandom is different. And I don't just think that's the weather. Like, I, I think even thinking back to 2018... I still believe that there there was, and maybe it's to do with the opponents mm-hmm. that we had to play in those qualifiers. Obviously, Syria, but they were no easy beats, and then Honduras, we, we got the job done against. But I, there was belief. There was a lot of belief back then that it, that it could still be done under Ange. I just, I, I mean, I think maybe Melbourne is not 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 the most reliable place to be. Um, you know, reading the reading the weather from and the assessing assessing yeah. the temperature. But even all, all my checking online, I just I'm not I'm seeing a remarkably low level of belief for what probably realistically I think is 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 a game that is up for grabs for the soccer. Is a lot of people seem consigned to not qualify. A lot of people do 
feel that way, which is really quite sad. But if you want to take it back to the last campaign and the last cycle, right? We, yeah, sure. We were Asian Cup champions, right? So we had a bit of that to hold our hat on. We were the champions of Asia leading into the 2018 World Cup. There was talk about Tim Cale scoring in four consecutive World Cups and equaling records that way. So we had Timmy, who was a... Um, a big face of the national team and still is a big face of the national team even though he's retired. He addressed the boys as a uh, Qatar ambassador this week. He was uh, in the Socceroos camp. Um, we had a, an outstanding captain in Mile Yedinak as well who was still plying his trade at a top level uh, in the championship in England. So we had some recognisable faces in terms of the team and some success from the team as well. Uh, and we don't have it this time around. We had a mediocre Asian Cup uh, the, the qualifiers have petered out. Um, we're trying to keep holding our hat on the 11 wins in a row, um, but they were against, you know, the Asian minnows. And when mm. we came to qualification in this group, we, we stuttered and we spluttered and we're lucky to be in the playoff. But we are alive, we are alive and kicking. So, you know, where there's life, there's hope. So we've got tomorrow the UAE, get through that, and then uh, and then Peru, hopefully. But let's see how we go tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it, it is alarming that we're talking about a game that, you know, other people would maybe say is a is a is a coin toss. Is a, is a fifty fifty chance could go either way, uh, as though it almost doesn't matter. But I, I'm going to throw out a bit of a maybe a slightly rogue theory here. I almost think that the UAE game is the harder of the two games. Obviously, Peru are a great nation, mm-hmm. uh, a well respected footballing nation. They have beat us pretty comprehensively. Uh, in previous fixtures, of course, yeah, the, the last World Cup, yep. the last World Cup, that was a, as depressing a of an evening as I can remember flogging, being a Socceroos three, fan. Three 0 no, wasn't, and that was back yeah. when I actually had hope. So yeah. now you can tell how much that would have stung <laughs> me. Um, but despite that, they haven't been overwhelmingly convincing in their in their qualification, and they're a team that, similarly to the Socceroos, can be quite. Ineffective, uh, impotent even, in possession when they're actually forced to be the side who dominate the ball. And I think that that, given the kind of expectation that comes with being a prominent South American nation playing in an Asian playoff, playing in an Oceanic playoff, you know, like like it or not, the reality is that they are are bigger footballing nations and they believe that they are the favoured side. And in many people's respects, um, so they should be. But... Having said that, having said no, that, no. So yes, I agree. So UAE, you think that's the harder of the game? Let's let's break it down for a couple of reasons that I would agree with you. So we'll talk about the conditions. So they are in probably their favour. We're playing in the Middle East, mm-hmm. all right? We are not strong in the Middle East. We haven't. We're Asian Cups in the Middle East, and yeah. our qualifiers in the Middle East. We it's well, not a happy hunting ground for the Socceroos at yeah. all. The UAE team all play pretty much at home. Yep. They don't export any of players. They've got some naturalised players into their squad well, as well. Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the, the big features of this this game, returning to the UAE squad, and one person that I know a lot of Australian fans will be looking out for, and despite his recent return from injury, is maybe in line to start this game, yep. is uh, Omar Abdurrahman. And yes. I, I'm going to do what everyone else has done in speaking about him so far and... and Reference his outstanding performance at the mm-hmm. the Asian Cup that we had here in Australia in 2015, yep. and he was one of those players where it just looked like he had after that outstanding run at the Cup was at he, the world at, he, world at his feet. 
um, was going to go on to, you know, maybe head to a, a lower European league and could have stepped up into something else. Was he coined the Middle East Messi around that time? I think, so. uh, I think he was. No? There was, there was also was... Um, Sadar Azmoun yes. for Iran, who yep. I think was the Iranian Messi at the time. <laughs> anyway, there good, are a yeah, lot of Messies. There have good, been a lot of Messies. Um, well, not actual, yep. literal Messies. There yep. has only been one. Um, but a lot of uh, namesakes definitely over the years. But, again, he's one of these players who... And it's a bit of a, a theme with um, promising young talents in, in some respects from the UAE where the temptation to stay with a, a hometown club where an owner is usually offering yep. you a pretty considerable sum to stay and be a star of the domestic competition as opposed to um, the challenge of slugging it out in a lower European league to try and build your way up. Um, Omar Abdurrahman is a very good example of that. He has had some injury concerns as mm-hmm. well. Of course, he's coming off one uh, very recently. But I, I think sometimes people look at a squad like UAE um, without knowing too much about the football and see that they're all from the domestic league and that kind of influences perception of how good the team must be. Oh, they don't Because, I mean, Australia are a nation who we judge ourselves so harshly off how many players do we have playing in the top five leagues. Yep. Uh, well, the UAE don't have any of that. And I think sometimes that can manipulate people's perception of Possibly, I mean, the in- standard of the opponent. But yeah. we're talking about a team who pretty much, they did finish in third in their AFC World Cup qualifying group uh, behind Iran and South Korea, who are probably two of the best nations in the maybe even the two best nations at the moment in the Asian Confederation, um, and they were pretty much by the end of it the same points away from second place that the Socceroos were. I think it was three points difference. And to your point, though, they're incentivized and paid quite handsomely to remain in the UAE, which is why a lot of these players didn't go. So Omar Abdul Rahman, we we talk about, he's had offers for you know, I think Man City were one of the offers at one stage coming through for them. To counter that, um, the weather, the approach, the home base, is they've had a bit of um, bit of turmoil with their manager and managers, I should say. So they've had a few different managers in this campaign, including former Australian head coach at the last World Cup, Bert Van Marwijk. Um, so they haven't been... It hasn't been as smooth as, as we may think for them to rock into third. One thing that we have had is, hey, the same manager, so... We can have that better consistency. Worse, well, yes, we can have we that have. consistency, right? We're gonna, That's true. Let's, gonna, let's we're going to talk about this with a glass half full approach because we are still alive until the playoff. And maybe when we review, if we miss out, we can make the glass half empty. So mm. let's just say we've had a bit more consistency in that in that respect. Uh, our squad has been together for just over a week, and they had a warm up game uh, against Jordan. Get some of uh, the cobwebs out. It wasn't yep. too inspiring. Um, Meanwhile, the UAE, a one-all draw with Gambia for them in the lead-up to this okay. game. Again, a friendly. They, I think they used somewhere in the vicinity of 23 or 24 players in the single game. But still... Yeah, the friendly, they used that many. Yeah. Well, that's something that we probably wish we could have done. Could have done, yes. I think um, uh, if we go back to the, the Jordan friendly, there wasn't much on offer in terms of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The only, the only real shot... And uh, and and time we had open play oh, no, in open play. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah, it was when we had Frustic and, and John Rowe and uh, Tilio on the pitch, and they were all subs. Came on late, so mm. Bailey Wright scored a, a goal from a from a free kick. He should have given away a penalty. Wasn't given no VAR. Um, Mobile's goal for us. He was probably offside too. Uh, no VAR as well to put us ahead. Um, Jordan's uh, first goal was cracking. 
in the 17th minute. So, um, The other big thing as well is, of course, we are missing Tom Rogic, yes. but, but the UAE are also missing one of their leading attacking, uh, attacking talents in, in Fabio Lima, who's... Yep. Uh, since he, the naturalised uh, Brazilian, I think, mm-hmm. since he has made that um, step into the national team, I think has scored uh, six goals again, uh, across 15 appearances and really when he got his injury, the UAE kind of um, it coincided with the, some of the UAE's struggles in in qualifying. So they don't have him available. And in yep. the same way that UAE have got the returning uh, Omar Abdurrahman, we also have the sort of returning... Aaron Moy, who, if you, if you read the the scuttlebutt that's going going around uh, online, some of the reports that have been put out, he is in line to start, start yeah. this game. What, what do you what do you think of that that sort of a decision? See, uh, where we've fallen down historically is when we have players at big clubs or overseas that they're not getting regular minutes, and you mm-hmm. want players that are match fit. He hasn't played for seven months. Hasn't played a full game for did, seven. Did he months. play? Was it sixty minutes against against Jordan? Uh, what did he play? Let's have a look. How did he come on? Yeah, he did. He did. But then they said all of his um, his conditioning's fine. His match fitness is fine. He could have played the full ninety. Was the all reports back? And that was the, some of the propaganda we got from Arnie, um, yeah, in a recent press conference. So, okay. um, look, he's a decent player. He's thirty one now. So you know, he probably was at his prime at the last World Cup cycle. Mm. Uh, we're going to need someone, but you know, he's not. Super quick, never has been. No. Um, and in terms of a dead ball specialist, which he's possibly in the team for, we have mm, guys okay. that can do that. I'll, we have guys that can do that. So I'll, I I'll phrase the question him. differently. Would yeah. you start him? No. Okay, no. so, so well, I mean, this, this leads naturally, pretty naturally into, into picking the 11. Mm. So you're not going with Moy. So assuming it's a 4-3-3, yeah. that's, I think, a reasonable inference. Uh who is who is the midfield three then? You'd, you'd have to... Because this is the only bit that concerns me about Moy. I'm okay with him yep. starting personally, but it's who he starts in place of. Now, hopefully the chance that he's in line to start means that he's going to be used as a deeper-lying midfielder yep. as opposed to in place of a Hrustich. So Hrustich has, for me, got to be in there as the 10, but yep. who who plays behind him? I think Jackson Irvine will be playing, will, will start, and he's yep. someone that they always seem to start with. Um I don't mind. We've rotated the midfield so often in the last few games for the Socceroos that it, it shouldn't really matter so much, but they need to start with the right combination. So if it's, you know, if it's Irvine, John Rowe, McGree, I'm okay with all of that. Even even Kenny Dougal I like in, mm. in the team. Is it, is it wish, wishful thinking of me to suggest that Graham Arnold could go with sort of two more advanced midfielders and, and one deeper lying and yeah, play maybe Moy and uh, Frustic in a more advanced position? I'd like Frustic in an advanced position um, personally, but... It's pro- probably not going to be it's more not than happen. one. It's going to be conservative, right? The thing that's, um, um, that concerned me more was the, the back four, right? Okay, so... We want to start from the back. We want yeah, to, let, let, let's go. go. I mean, Matt Ryan Matt picks Ryan's himself, a, obviously. Yep, correct. Left back... I think in a game like this, I, I mean, the, the fact that Jason Davidson started this game and Graham Arnold referred to the squad that was selected that day as uh, it was a lineup that is far removed from what the final picture will look like, that leads me to think... Beich? Yeah, Beich is going to start. I think Beich, again, Graham Arnold has his um, his favourites and he runs through that. I would like Davidson over, over Beich. Beich has lost the... Really? Yeah. Uh, wow. 
Bayich has lost a bit for me in terms of the national team and, and where he's where he's playing. He doesn't have a club at the moment and, and how he's progressing. So um, th- they will start Bayich. That's my personal opinion, but they'll start Bayich. Okay. But then they, he had Bailey Wright and Kai Rolls, but he goes with Sainsbury and Degenich. Yeah, I don't think either of those two will, will no. start. He always goes with, with Sainsbury and um, Milosh will be the yep. central pairing. And then right back, it, it's... I mean, it's between it's between Atkinson and and, and Frank Karacic. I don't think Karacic has done much wrong in national team colours, from what I've seen. Um, it's so true. he has had a few issues with uh, injury and health. fitness and stuff yep. and health. Yeah, with, uh, with season, COVID, correct. Yeah. Um, uh, playing in Italy in uh, Serie B, I I think Karacic played the full ninety against Jordan. Depending on how he pulls up, I would go with him. I would like Atkinson to be a more regular member of the Socceroos, but I don't think it'll happen. In the morning, mm. I, I'm trying really hard to to keep the blinkers off and not say Nathaniel Atkinson will start <laughs> the game. Yeah, I don't I think, I don't like think it it'd too. be the wor- I, oh, look. I don't think it would be the worst uh, worst problem for for us to have. And it's 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 quite a refreshing change of pace, should I say? Yep. Uh, for the soccer is to have a position decision where it's like which of these two good options do we pick as opposed to yeah. uh, a race to the bottom, which <laughs> which it often is. Uh, okay, so we've got the midfield. So uh, Moy, well, for me, it would be Moy, Jackson, Irvine, Frustich. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think I'd uh, change anything else there. I mean, I would pick. I'd, Con- like- I'd pick Conor Metcalf if he was in the squad. I would give maybe some scope to to Denny Genro, but again, I'm trying. Him, I'm trying him, to yeah. balance my yep. my desires For against the, kids, the yeah, uh, agree. R- yep. against the reality, and yep. so I think I think Irvine Moy and Frustich, if the the paper talk is to be believed that Moy will start, I think that is going to be the most um, likely yeah, way with. that it looks. Um, maybe. you could make the case for Kenny Dougal, but I don't think it's very likely. No, the, again, that's what I would like, but it's not. We're picking the team we think think will start versus the team that we would like to start. Yeah. So that's yeah, I'm okay with that. And then Riley McCree, I think, makes pretty good sense as a substitute yep. uh, for an Irvine, maybe even for a Moy because he's a third man runner. We know Graham Arnold likes that sort of yep. player who can provide penalty box threat from a, from a deeper area. So. Mm-hmm especially if we find ourselves down in the game, to have a sort of pivot of Irvine and McGree who can both do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't I, know whether I, that's a good thing, but yeah, it's an yeah. option. No, it's no. an option. And we, we have to be thinking, and because of where we've come from the last few games as well, that we will potentially, with 30 or 20 minutes to go, be chasing the game and have to throw on some uh, you know, X factors like Tilio as an example. But, you know, possibly we will see. Mm, I mean, I can't. When you say we'll have to throw on X Factor players like Tilio, I can't help but think back to the A League Grand Final where Patrick is Norway was forced well, he, to well, he didn't throw do it. on yeah. Marco Tilio as opposed to have him attacking things from the I, start. I would like Tilio, you know, to start these kinds of games, but he's not going to. And when they talk about any kind of thing that needs to happen in the last few minutes, it'll be Mitch Duke and kicking long balls to him. Well, and again, and again, it kind of goes back to the discussion we had last week about how everyone was shocked that a player like Jason Cummings wasn't sort of, you know, no caution was thrown into the wind by Graham Arnold. Yeah. Again, it, when has caution ever been thrown into the wind no, it's, by it's Graham very, Arnold? And if, it wasn't, and if it wasn't going to be done for the, uh, for the selection of the squad, yep. it's definitely not going to be happening for the starting 11. So we've got the midfield in now. Well, actually, okay. no, who's your midfield? Because I, I've gone with Moy, but you weren't going to pick I would agree. I would go with McGree. So Irvine, Jackson Irvine will start. 
Yeah. Um, Hrustik is our best player. He has to start. Um, McGree. McGree or Moy, I'll, I'll go with McGree, but I okay. think, think Moy will play. All right, and then the front three? Well, the thing with the front three is that we have struggled to find uh, goal-kicking front three for a little while now, and most of the goals from open play are all set pieces tend to beat. Adam Taggart's in form. I'll have him up front. Um, uh, I think Craig Goodwin is in excellent form and in, and in terms of getting the ball into those guys and would work well with Taggart. So I would have Craig Goodwin in there as well, which probably would be the one that's take Marty Boyle's spot, I would have thought, because Boyle is, has um, done that role very well for the, for the mm. Socceroos. And, um, and Mobile, I would start Mobile in the front three. So Mobile, Taggart and Goodwin for me. Wow, okay, okay. That's Mobile, Taggart and Goodwin. I agree with you on... Taggart, and I think he has to start this game. Mm-hmm. I could, I could see in in the context of the game uh, what the UAE offer. Maybe Mitch Duke being given the run, but I just think that would be such a politically unpopular yeah, de- yeah, correct, decision yes. that it almost couldn't be made anymore. Uh, what I would say is great to have. Uh, Adam Taggart back in and available for selection in the starting 11. And in form. And in form. He's in good form and also he's uh, got the kind of uh, attributes that I was clamouring for for Jason Cummings to be selected. He is a bit yeah. more of a, link a player who, yeah. can, who can link up with others. And to that end, Jamie, one thing that definitely shouldn't happen in this game is, I'm sorry, but Jamie McLaren should not start. He no, should no, be, he won't. I don't think he'll get any minutes. To he be should, shouldn't be anywhere near the conversation yeah. because uh, you... UAE, very compact team. They will try and capitalise on our dysfunction in possession. Like the very thing that I think gives us maybe an edge against Peru is what gives UAE, UAE an edge against us. Yeah. Uh, and I think they will sit off us and then the, the channel running that Jamie McLaren provides is not useful. So Taggart's got to be the striker for me. Yep. But I think, again, if we're going along the lines of tried and tested. Yeah. Uh, has has Goodwin got enough Socceroos minutes under the belt to, to justify um, justify a, a starting spot? I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure. I think I think maybe Lecky on the left. Lecky. And then Boyle as well? Yeah. Perhaps? So Lecky Lecky has is tried is tried and he's proven this will be his if they make the World Cup and he goes it'll be his third one. It's pretty impressive. Uh, given where he's come from. But, yeah, I agree. But I think Goodwin's in better form than Lecky. If you take a look at the whole A-League season, which we look at a little bit closer, you would possibly take Goodwin. But I agree because it's Zani and um, what, what what he has done and what he's doing. Yeah. It, it could also be it could also be, be Mabil. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go with, again, this is not the starting 11 that I would pick. It's no, the no. starting 11 that I think we'll see. Uh, and I think Taggart, Lecky and Boyle maybe make sense or maybe Mabil... Oil taggers. True. And so off the bench, providing a spark. So let's just hope that the the back four back four don't yeah. get injured and we don't need sort of any cover uh, in that area with the subs. We do have some playmakers and we do have some ability to change things up a little bit. So you got Mark Hotilio, um, Boyle or Mobile, Goodwin or Lecky, um, Moy McGree and uh, and Mitchell <laughs> Mitchell Duke. Um as impact players, so, you know, potentially. Nick D'Agostino started um, in the friendly. I don't I don't see him getting any minutes for us. I think yeah. they're gonna go with Taggart, um, if Taggart and Duke as the, the front the front guy and then the the ones flanking them that we talked about. Yeah, and again, like as I can kind of 
as much as I do not think he should be anywhere near the national team, I can sort of see the justification for a bigger bodied forward like Duke in this game to sort of throw his weight around and try and capitalise on uh, set-piece weaknesses that that might exist or uh, help to accentuate Australia's set-piece strength as well with his presence in the box. Correct. I don't like it, but... He actually did okay against Japan in the wet up there in Sydney uh, in terms of coming on, in terms of running the spark. We we were miles off. We were miles off, but he did okay. Some people did. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I agree with you in terms of he would probably be the better option against the UAE but not against Peru and then possibly J-Mac to swap it over in terms of... Um, that fox in the box that can probably sneak around yeah. the, the taller defenders. Okay, so a few few differences in our mm-hmm. 11s, and, and for all we know, there's probably going to be a few differences between both there's of ours. There's always a surprise. There's always a surprise. Final, even conservative. final pick, but we will yep. be paying attention to it uh, right up until the final. So what, what do you think is the fundamental thing that decides this game? Like, where where is the most important sort of area over which this qualifier is, is, is won and lost? Excellent question. The tactics are not n- really my strong point when it comes to these things, Lockie. But well, don't think, worry, they're not grand no, no. either, so that's fine. <laughs> I should put my hand up because he loses a job at, at some stage this year, whether it's the end of uh, tomorrow or the end of the week or end of the year. <sighs> um, his contract will be up. Look, I'm, I'm really concerned about our back, our back line. The defence has leaked a few goals um, just from some, some mistakes. So uh, I'm hopingly, hoping they will, and I think you're right, they'll go with Bayich and, and Sainsbury and, and, and a more uh, experienced back four to try and work through this. Uh, it's going to be one or loss in the midfield, and if we can just burgle some chances, then uh, we're, we're half a chance to be good. Yourself? What are you thinking? I, I, I Look, I hate to sort of defer to a very common trope of mine, but the first goal is just so, so important because, again... UAE, uh, they don't maybe look at Australia, and I think many, many countries in the, in the Asian Confederation over the course of the qualification and now, even if they're not involved in the playoff against us, are looking at Australia in the same way as they had in recent years. And I think Australians don't, we, as we sort of started the program by saying, are not looking at ourselves in the same way uh, as perhaps we once did. So Michael Lynch, sorry, just Michael Lynch wrote an article today just on that. So when we first moved into the Asian Confederation, these people had only seen Kuehl and Viduka and uh, and Neil on the TV and Schwartz are on the television. They're overawed. Now they don't. Mm. They walk. You know, walk out. You know, who's this guy? You know, they don't know who they're playing against. So there's no feeling of them getting on the back foot. So yeah, interrupt. No, 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 but. but even despite that, I do still think that the UAE are going to capitalise on our weaknesses, the biggest of which being, well, as as you put, uh, the the sort of leakiness of the defence of late, the, the vulnerability in particular of that, that centre-back pairing who can get caught out against sort of quicker mm-hmm. quicker forwards. Uh, they're going to have their hands full potentially dealing with uh, Ali Mabkut, who you may also remember from the Asian Cup, but is... You know, going to have to have a good game to um, try and unsettle those defenders. But the other thing is our our ability or lack thereof uh, to create a, against a compact team, against a side who don't allow a lot of gaps between their sort of defensive blocks, their midfield block, and their def- uh, their you know actual central defensive block. We really struggle 
to break through teams who approach us like that. I mean, Aman, that game as well. Again, that was maybe a game that we deserved to win. But still, we did have our difficulties and it has been a continuing theme of the Socceroos under Graham Arnold for a very, very long time. It happened, did it not, in the Asian Cup as well. Um, So I think if we see that similar sort of struggle... Uh, a lot of dead possession because we can't find an opening, you know, the, the sort of hero goal that we might be hoping for, the the Aussie saviour channeling his uh, super uh, Anzac DNA to rip one from 30 yards into the top right corner. If that doesn't come, then that gives UAE a really significant chance on the counter-attack and whether or not we can defend against that sort of thing reliably is something that worries me. And so if UAE get the first goal, they can just they can batten down the hatches, they can sit off us for as long as they want and hope that they can nick a goal. And to be honest, I think that is probably the most of even if you're a good team, even if you're a really like even if you're France. Mm. Uh, I mean actually France do play this way, so that's not maybe not a good example. Even if, even if you were Spain, I actually think the best way to beat Australia is just to let them have the ball. And so if we if they do that, the UAE get a goal maybe early on into the game, I fancy them to, to grab a second. Now, that all depends on Australia not scoring, but I think that will be that first goal where the game's won and lost because after that, then the onus is on the UAE. Then Australia can do maybe what comes more naturally to them and be the team that is a bit more reactive and plays on the counter-attack. But... If you leave open spaces, someone like an Omar Abdurrahman, if he starts, can pick a pass from anywhere on the pitch, can play thre- uh, players through with ease, and Australia are going to be scrambling to, to deal with someone who can they get will. that release of pressure on the break uh, like he can. It was quite telling that um, that Arnie actually, when he focused on the friendly with Jordan, that it was the first time that we had battled from one nil down to actually get the win. So Jordan scored the first goal and his comments afterwards were like, I was really proud of the boys. Most people watching the game thought it was actually quite a pedestrian um, run. Why aren't we giving more game minutes to the kids? Are they outside of Kai Rolls? Why isn't John Rowe? Why isn't Tilio? Et cetera, on the park. But he said, you know, we, we fought back from 1-0 down and got the equaliser and then managed to get the winner, which hadn't happened before. So maybe that's in... Mm. Him trying to get into the into the minds of his players that um, they, they won't drop their bundle and that might happen because, as you said, the first goal is vitally important. It's it's interesting. It's a funny thing, perspective, isn't it? Because mm. Graham Arnold sees uh, our first comeback from behind as a as a massive positive. Uh, other people, uh, you can maybe guess who, uh, <laughs> look at that as like, oh, how has it taken this as long? And more importantly, why has it taken us? This long, but uh, so going going back to sort of wrap up our um, sort of Socceroos preview, I, I think this game is is going to extra time. I think the Socceroos are more than capable of winning it, but I think it will. I think it can go the. I think it is capable of of going the distance against what will be a very very resistant. Uh, I'm expecting at least. I could could very much be wrong. I often am. Uh, UAE. But if we can get through that game, I think the Peru game is more suited to the strengths that Australia well, have. Fingers across. And if it does go to extra time, it's going to be a be- benefit for most people that have to go to work straight yes, after the game. that's true. Um, they're not likely to fall back asleep on the couch, mm. so I'm hoping for extra time as but, well then. Yeah. And, and maybe maybe a final point before we before we head to a break and maybe talk some, um, talk some Ollie Roos and A-League transfers as well. 
irrespective of what happens tomorrow, whether it is our last game in the qualification phase or we have one last chance against Peru, and irrespective of whether or not we win both games and qualify for the World Cup, I just really hope, and again, a lot of it is hope, that we learn something from all of this. I hope we look back and... (laughs) And again, I know this is very wishful thinking and I do engage in a lot of it on this program, but we work out why we are where we are now. Why the buzz and the excitement around the Socceroos is at an all-time low, both internally for diehards and for casual uh, fans of the Socceroos who have grown over the years to expect Australia to qualify. I just hope that we take some seriously deep reflection over why that is and and the factors both at a national team level and elsewhere that have led to that. Whether or not we do it is a big question and deep down my concern is that before too long if, uh, if, you know, an expanded World Cup is going to reward our mediocrity. Yeah, 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 it will. But I just hope regardless of what happens tomorrow and the Socceroos could well win, they could well go through to the World Cup. Uh, I just hope we have a good think about why it's gotten to this point. And I'm not just talking about the results because we've been in a playoff before, but why the atmosphere and the, the discourse is the way it is. That, that's, that's all I hope that, that really comes out of this. Anyway, time to set your alarms for tomorrow. Exactly. Um, what time? About five to four I'm going to set mine for. Yeah, You're ready to go. Get on the couch. See, I often, I often find that you can you can eke in a couple of extra minutes more sleep than that. I mean, maybe the, the AFC are pretty efficient with their time. Yes, but it, it, often with English English Premier League games with other internationals, there's usually a good four or five minutes where there's a just flashing around. I generally catch, I can wake up for the kickoff yeah. and then just boom, you know, I generally all the, catch the national the scheduled kickoff time and yep. then still be fine. Three fifty five for me. I will probably sleep on the couch, so I'm ready to go. I only have um, three. 57. All right, and score? I reckon that's enough time. All right, and score? What's your prediction? Uh, it's going to be 1-0 after extra time. Socceroos, I'm yeah. going to do it. 2-1. Yep, um, the coin toss. 2-1 for me, Socceroos. Well, I hope your alarm is set for that game, be it at 3.55 or at 3.57 yeah. if you're more of a, an, a, you know, an obscure uh, alarm setter. But... Don't go to sleep just yet because we have got to head to uh, another break. But on the other side of this, we're going to talk a little bit about, yes, that goal from Alu Kual in the Socceroos and in the Oli Roos, but I wish it was for the Socceroos. But anyway, (laughs) uh, in the Oli Roos as they play in the Asian Cup and maybe a little bit of uh, A-League men's transfer news as well because there have been some very, very fascinating ones and ones that I uh, feel particularly passionate about. But more on that on the other side of this break. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's got it! Unbelievable kick. Well, it says, uh, according to my Googling... That scorpions are common arachnids found in gardens and forests throughout Australia. What it neglects to mention over on old Google, they're also very common on football pitches. Australian football. In Australia. Yeah. In Australian footballers, because we've added 
We used to call Riley McGree the Scorpion King, but there's a series of Scorpion Kings now. We might even have to, you know, develop into like a a series of Scorpion Princes and all that sort of stuff. We could get into a full full franchise. A Scorpion franchise, yes. A Scorpion monarchy. Yes. We might even have some some Scorpion Queens before too long. I'm not really sure. Uh, But the the incumbent Scorpion King... uh, usurping or dethroning Ben Garuccio after his spectacular effort during the A-League men's regular season is none other than Mr. Personality himself, Alu Kual, scoring a quite ridiculous goal, albeit in a one-all draw uh, against Iraq at the Under-23 World Cup. But there has been almost no analysis of the actual performance. Everyone has been talking about this goal. And in some respects... Rightly so, because it was arguably of the sort of three most prominent scorpion kicks. I actually think it's the best one so far. It was well. It was yeah. I would actually say it would would be close too. And he had an opponent right, right on his hammer as well when he did it mm. too. And he was right in the box, so it was fantastic. His reaction afterwards was was fantastic for me. He just he is Mr. Personality. Um, the quicker we get him into the the senior national team, the better, because that's someone that we want. We want to see progress and, and go through because he was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, he just taking up from his form in the All-Stars against Barcelona and, you know, the sky is the limit for this kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, look, it wasn't an ideal game, though, for the, for the soccer, isn't it? Didn't, it didn't start off on particularly the right foot. Cassini Yangi, <laughs> ironic that I use the term right foot because yeah. Cassini Yangi was uh, sort of sent off for a... Stamp. It was a bit controversial. There, there were certainly a lot of people on soccer Twitter who were up in arms about the decision. Unfortunately, and I, I, I called uh, the members of soccer Twitter out on this at the time, we, we had all this furor about the Cassini-Yangi red card decision. Not a single we demand an investigation into the red card offence delivered to Cassini-Yangi at a crucial moment of the match while Iraqi players with longer studs held... You know that the meme I'm referring yeah. to, right? We didn't have any of that. A soccer Twitter has lost its touch. <laughs> it's probably- uh, has the referee lost touch with the decision book? Because this was a controversial one. What did you make of it? Yeah, look, uh, people weren't happy. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't see too much of it. So I saw, I saw the incident. He went off. They weren't happy. But uh, we did score with 10 men against them, so uh, with, with Qual's goal. So, True. Um, Quite good. People were very, very angry with the with the refereeing for the whole ninety, just not yes. that, not just that decision. So, um, it hasn't it shouldn't affect us too much in terms of trying to progress out of the out of the group too. There's a game again tonight, um, and so hopefully we can uh, get enough points. We're at the top of the group at the moment on goal difference and points. Let's see how we go. Absolutely. I mean, I think again the final word on this. I think Qual is the best scorpion because McGree. Amazing. Fluke. Yes. It's a fluke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Garuccio, great goal to do it sort of in the way he did, you know, heading towards the ground, mm-hmm. catching it in his, in his stride, impressive. But the thing about Qual is that was completely intentional and he nailed it. And how high he was able to get his back leg up to receive the ball. Like my, my quads were in pain just uh. watching the replay of that goal. But he, after he realised the cross was going behind him, absolutely meant to do that, yep. and the execution was perfect. First class. No, 
I would rank that the top one as well. Garuccio himself said uh, he tried one at training the day before and landed on his head and missed the ball. So we can mm. understand the difficulty in, in actually nailing it. And Qual seems to be doing all the difficult things all the time. So it's not that uh, surprising. So no, you see how he goes true. tonight. What are the, the Oli Roos take on Jordan? In the last match for Group B, hopefully it goes the same way as it did for the uh, senior national team. Would be nice. Hope they score plenty of set pieces. That'll be fun. I hope it's mired in VAR controversy <laughs> or lack thereof. But uh, the other good thing as well uh, that puts it in the the top echelons is his attitude afterwards. He was nonchalant about it. He d- he did mean it, and and he just said, that, that "I'll do another one. I'll do it again." That's what I do. I the quals qual- that- uh, single handedly have contributed. Uh, the best, uh, and I don't like using this word too often, so I'm only using it because it, it is true, uh, best vibes mm-hmm. uh, of, of any individuals, I think, in Australian football this year. And there's there's more of them to come because Tang and, and Didi are both ready. It's kind of will a, be ready before too long to enter the fray as well. You know, it's, it's as, as jaded as we are with the senior soccer ruse, it's, it, the excitement level around the current Ollie ruse and some of the players coming through uh, is... is is excellent. Yes. And so um, however we go with this World Cup campaign, the next round of players coming through to the next cycle, we need to start looking in four-year cycles, I think, is exciting. We've got some really good options That's there. That's true. And we've sent, if we're sending a few more overseas, we're going to mm-hmm. fill the team with Toure's and, and Quals for the next World Cup and we're going to be okay. One of those Oli Roos that we did mention before, he was sent off in somewhat controversial circumstances, uh, seeing red, which yes. is also something he'll be doing quite a lot of uh, paired with black mm-hmm. next season at Wonderland. I speak of Cassini Yangi, who I think it was on Sunday inked a deal with the Western Sydney Wanderers coming across from Adelaide United. So uh, one of the A-League's, A-League men's leading young talents gets the chance to sort of uh, step into, well, I say larger club. Uh, I guess image-wise, Western Sydney are seen uh, as being a larger club, bigger ceiling. I, I guess. Uh, what, what do you make of this this move for for Cassini Yangi? Well, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I think you might get a, a few. Well, not getting just as many opportunities, but I guess he's going to be uh, up front. They've probably offered him some more dollars, which is probably hard to ignore mm. at that age. Uh, with as a professional athlete, I would suggest that would get him out of there and and some maybe some more opportunities. So yeah, dollars and opportunities. Can I say something that might shock you, Jason? I don't know. Go for it. I'm ext- I'm very disappointed about this transfer. Why is that? Re- I I am quite disappointed in Cassini Yangi in particular. I don't understand why he is making what is effectively a sideways move here. I, he like he has had obviously an injury affected season mm-hmm. with Adelaide, but when he has played, has been a real, real pivotal player in the Adelaide United side. Yeah, he has seen this season two of his other uh, youthful compatriots in the Adelaide United side: uh, Yaya Dekule, mm-hmm. uh, Yaya Dekule, sorry, Mohamed Toure. Head to France, yeah. And both getting deals at a very, very decent club in Ligoon off the back of Adelaide. So maybe there's a mentality that, oh, I'm using Western Sydney as a platform, as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. But he could have done that, that exact same thing as Adelaide. He could have left. He could. I think he would have been good enough to, left, to leave now. Maybe there's a, a chance that he didn't get the deals that he might have liked overseas and so Western Sydney was... Uh, a secondary option, but I think why not just stay? Why not just stay with Adelaide? Like, it's a hard place, and 
plenty of players have gone and showed it over recent years that Western Sydney is a very hard place to come into and succeed. Yes, they've done the big broom sweeping thing. Yes, they've got a new manager who's got a new vision on the way the club should be run. But we've been here and told this same story at the start of many, many seasons for the Western Sydney Wanderers, and nothing's changed. What's the guarantee that it's going to this time? This time, I mean, Adelaide made the finals. They were a top four team. He is taking a gamble for more money, but potentially not much else for Western Sydney. That's a that's a tough one because I think when you find with the A League, the contracts are so small in terms of length one season, two seasons, three seasons maximum. You know what I mean? That the players play for more than one club, and he at his age. And in the Ollie Roo team, it might be a springboard for him. It is a sideways move. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a sideways move. But personally, it might be better for him to be um, out of his comfort zone. Uh, it's something else, new coach, but new direction. Just, but if, might okay. have promised so, the world. It's hard to say. Sure. But, but if, if, for example, Western Sydney go on to have a similar, similarly underwhelming season to... Place for Adelaide literally ta- ta- Take your pick yeah. of any of the ones. That actually, for me hurts his value in terms of being able to be sold on to a club in Europe. Because for me, that has to be has to be the aim for him. And I'm surprised, unless it is a situation where, as I said, he maybe didn't get the office he mm. wanted in Europe and Western Sydney was a, an alternative for him. I am really surprised that he hasn't tried to look further ahead. I just think making making a lateral kind of move to, to Western Sydney is... Is actually beneath a, a player of his of his ability. Maybe clubs are overseas are reticent to take a punt on him because the reliability of his body isn't there. But also, he's a player who, because of his physical makeup and because of the way he plays, he is a very bombastic forward. Is going to get injuries. He's going to get injuries crop up from time to time. You have to sort of factor that in if you're making the transfer and. I just think from a personal standpoint, the ambition of all of these young players, especially ones who are being picked at an international level, should be to play overseas. And I'm just really surprised that no, maybe he's no taken, coming. in my view, a, a massive, massive gamble in no. going to Western Sydney when he could if, have stayed at Adelaide, been a leading light, and ended up getting the move to Europe that he may well want at the end of next season anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to... Argue with you or agree with you on that point because we don't because we don't know. I mean, it's all pure speculation, and maybe no European clubs coming for him. But so all I'm saying, to, or if the logic his agent said you need to have a, a couple of seasons under the watchful eye of the, you know, okay, football sure. in Sydney. But all, all I'm saying is, if if the logic behind this move was that oh well, Western Sydney is a bigger club, therefore it's a better place to be uh, in the in, in front maybe. of the, the spotlight of people who might want to send me to a different country. Well, then I don't think that logic is very sound because Adelaide have just had two of their players, one of whom wasn't actually playing that regularly mm. in Yaya Dekuli, uh move on to uh, an elite club in a top five league. Yeah. So I don't know. I was a little bit underwhelmed by this move. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic transfer for Western Sydney, the club. They get one of the best young talents in the A-League. They get a superb striker who will provide... Uh, so, so much more dynamism and diversity to mm-hmm. what they can offer uh, compared to Bernie Abini, for example. Yeah. Um, offers them so much more in attack. It probably will make them a more competitive outfit. But again, there's no guarantee. Our trust levels for Western City Wanderers have to be, and I'm sorry to say this because I like Western City, they, they have to be at an all-time low. We cannot trust yep. any intimations that they will just sort of recapture what used to be there 
just yet. So great move for them, great pickup, but I just wonder for Yangi whether this is the right move or the smart move. Because and the reason the reason that I sort of bring this up and this kind of takes us on to another one of the big transfer manoeuvres is is this not a dissimilar situation to Steven Yugarkovich? Steven Yugarkovich moved from the Newcastle Jets, where he was a standout player... Yeah, follow the coach. ...across to Western Sydney. Yes, he did follow the mm. coach, but again, maybe the logic there was that he could have set himself up for something else at Western Sydney, at a big club, and would have been presumably better paid as well. He went to Western Sydney. It was a disaster mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole time that he was there. Uh, I don't think he's done... Him, I don't think he's done anything to improve his transfer value in the time that he was there because... Well, he wanted, he out, hasn't, but he wanted out and got out. That's I mean, true. He, he, he hasn't, he really, hasn't played as well at Western Sydney. I don't think the people he's played alongside have played to his strengths. And now we see him uh, moving along to Wellington Phoenix on, yep. on a one-year deal. Again, the player for the manager. Like, I, I don't I don't begrudge him this as well. He followed Carl Robinson to the Wanderers and was probably on a promise there in terms of, of how he's going to play and the rest of it. And new coach... Um, New direction didn't work out for him. He's now, what, is he 27 years of age? Okay, so he's played overseas in Croatia. Chances for him to to make some some money are running out. He's probably got five years to do so. And if they offered him more money to go across the ditch, then do it. Like, I don't begrudge him that as well. So um, what we have in this league, unfortunately, Lockie, is we have players that play for four or five different clubs. Even the really good ones play for four or five different clubs. The, and we talk about a few of the others. Now, Oliver uh, Bazanich is going to be leaving the Central Coast Mariners, okay? and the, Well, the, hasn't he? I could have sworn he already left the Central Coast Mariners. He's been... He's played for them twice. He's been AWOL he's for... Played for <laughs> he's played for Melbourne time. Victory. He's played for Melbourne City. Yeah. For Hearts. And the rumour is he's going to one of the Sydney clubs as well. Um, and he was an, a, sta- a standout for the Mariners as their captain, I thought, at the start of the, this season. Uh, and, and he's moving on. It's an unfortunate part of the league that, that needs to be addressed in that the, um, I guess the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the jobs sometimes aren't there. They get one or two year contracts. If they get an extra 10 or 20 grand to go to another club, they tend to do it. And, and we have, we lose these players. So we can't, and hence the uproar for, for Ninkovic because he was there for so long and they've offered him a lesser deal and he wants to keep yeah, going. Well, right? that so was just... That's a different one too. So I don't, I don't begrudge Yugarkovic or... My problem yeah. is not with Yugarkovic though. I, th- I, th- I just think like that, that move to Western Sydney, again, an example of a sideways move. I don't think it got delivered him what he might have wanted out of it. Maybe he was sort of sold a dream by a manager that, that came across and then subsequently left. And I just feel like we've had a, a season and a half of Steven Ugarkovich just sort of stagnating. And yeah. now he'll go to Wellington. He'll probably have a really good season. Mm. He'll probably play really well and his one-year deal and might even be within in with a shot yeah. of getting uh, a, a big move and having a couple of seasons sort of Aaron Moy-esque late crack uh, <laughs> back at Europe. Yeah. But he could. I think he was good enough to do that before he went to Western Sydney. I just think that, that was a mistake, and I worry that maybe Cassini Yangi is is making the same error. Okay. But, but I'm not. Yeah. We're not going to go back to Yangi. We're not going to go back to Yugo. One, one of the one of the moves, though, Lockie, that is a positive because this kid needs minutes, minutes, minutes. Is um, yep. Stefan Kolakowski going to Perth Glory from Melbourne yeah, City? A great move for great move for Stefan Kolakowski. I I hope um, I hope that this 
is something or set something of a trend for Perth Glory in the market. I would really like to see their strategy this off season to sort of not mirror Central Coast in the academy mm-hmm. kind of way because no one can really contend with the numbers yep. of, of youth products that, that Mariners have got at their disposal, but to really target promising young youth players from the bigger clubs who aren't getting as many many minutes as maybe they deserve yep. and bringing out the best in them. I just hope this sets a trend uh, for Perth of that kind of approach. And I think they've got, if they are to do that, if they're going to do that, they're off to a flying start with Stefan Kolakowski. He, I think if he starts regularly, can deliver a great deal and we saw how much a difference not quite to the same level of impact that Marco Tilio has had but in a similar vein the amount he's been able to influence attacking proceedings in minutes off the bench yeah, absolutely. for City do you think this reflects poorly on City though well I think Who's he going to replace? Like, he's not going to take Leckie's spot or McLaren's spot. No, but I think that's the reason that it reflects poorly on City. Yeah, well... Because we shouldn't be talking about a promising young youth player who can't get get a sniff. We want it to be a development league. What you're talking about, sideways moves and development and moving overseas, we want that to happen, absolutely. I want it to happen all the time. Sure. But it's not a development league. So Paddy Kizdenorbo is not going to say, I need to develop four Socceroos and I've made that KPI. He's got to win silverware. And if he does it with... Three thirty-year-old um, Socceroos. He, he had three thirty-year-old Socceroos, and he didn't win the grand final. He played Tilio and Kolakowski alongside each other the previous year. What did he do? He beat Sydney FC three-one. Yeah, correct. But he's going with a tried and trusted formula. That's what I don't agree with. I agree with you. I don't agree with this, but it's not a development league. So no, that's um, true. So if but, he's got Matthew Lecky, who's played in the Bundesliga, my, yes, and he's played in going for two or maybe three World Cups, he's going to start him ahead of a twenty-two-year-old kid. He's scored three okay, goals in and the that's fair enough. But my actual, if anything, my, my largest aggravation with it mm-hmm. is not to do with the on-pitch stuff. It's yep. the off-pitch stuff. Stefan Kolakowski, for, for those who don't know, and I'm sure almost everyone does, yep. he's a boyhood Melbourne City fan. Probably yes. the only example that City have got to call on yep. of someone who has come through as a fan and made that transition to a senior player. This guy mm-hmm. loved the club. He yep. absolutely loved Melbourne City and the fans loved him in turn. And City have just let the best off-pitch narrative, and and let's be real, City are a team who off the pitch for a variety of reasons uh, struggle for positive narratives uh, to to find. Um, They've just let him go. He's barely featured and he left without even getting a a final chance in, in the GF to sort of come on and applaud the fans as he walked on and get that final moment. I just think that they have really, really wasted a huge talent and someone who brought a lot to the club when he was given the chance to show what he could do on the pitch. But most importantly, off the pitch. You're you're clearly a romantic, which is wonderful, Lockie. Um, And I agree (sighs) with you, but it's not going to... That that sort of marketing boyhood guy and everything is not going to change anything. He may have gone with their blessing. You know what? I can't give you minutes because I've got Lockie. So um, how about you go to Perth mm. and see how you go? Um, if he was, yeah. So, I, you know, I think it's a great move for him personally. I agree, not I the, agree. Not for the club, perhaps, for the reasons you, you mentioned, but um, for the good of Australian football or even North Macedonian football, yes. him going over to Perth and getting regular minutes is a great thing for a great thing for him personally and hopefully a great thing for the league where we actually have a, a situation where he's played a couple of good seasons in the A-League, goes overseas 
and we have the conversation saying, actually, why don't you play for the Socceroos instead of playing for North Macedonia's yeah, under that's 23s? that's true. Well, I, I, I think I need to decompress, Jason. Have we got, <laughs> got any other things to, uh, to get through? Nothing we, really. There was... Um, there's rumours that Daniel Arzani might be coming back to the A-League. Um, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, I, I did pick up on that. And then there's a few sort of um, mature-age foreigners that are, are finishing up. So Jenkins is leaving Melbourne City and Jakobsen is leaving uh, Adelaide United. Um, yeah, and, it's and, a and shame, the but it's to see no. Jenkinson leave, I guess. And the merry-go-round will continue, but um, that's where we are. It will, but uh, I've got to go fill up a bath, mm-hmm. uh, light some candles. I clearly am very stressed about the game tomorrow. And uh, sorry, Jason, if I've taken that out on no, no, you no, no, no. No, no, on the no airwaves. Offense. But uh, I'm going to go get the, the incense burning, uh, relax, do some meditation. And hopefully when I wake up uh, at 3.57 in yeah. the morning tomorrow, my chakras will be aligned. <laughs> I'll be nice and relaxed. And then hopefully the soccerers don't undo all of that good positive mental work no. that I have uh, have set Positive up. vibes from you, Lucky. yes. Exactly. Well, if you have been listening to us uh, on the Oz Football Hour ahead of the Socceroos must-win qualifier against the UAE, I hope you're feeling the positive vibes as well. I hope you're nice and relaxed, and I hope that when we see you next Tuesday here on Football Nation Radio, we can be talking about the Socceroos being one game closer to featuring in Qatar. Go the Socceroos. Absolutely. Go the Socceroos. Thank you very much for your company on the Oz Football Hour. If you have missed any of the program, make sure to head over to your preferred podcast platform, Spotify. I don't know what other... What Are you a Spotify user as well? I am, yeah, Spotify. It's on Fetch, YouTube... Apple Podcasts as well, that is the, okay, that is probably the, the predominant one. But yeah, anywhere you get your podcast, you can catch up on the show or you can also uh, watch the live stream back if you're that way inclined. But until next week, uh, the Socceroos' fate will remain undecided, uh, but we'll get to break it down, good, bad or otherwise, uh, in a week's time. But uh, we'll see you then. Victory looking to build. Barbarossa is quick. Is he in behind Topo Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Bar-